Now that Christmas is past and we're into the new year, what have we learned about Christmas? Are we watching for the light that has come into the world? Are we engaging with it? Are we responding to it? Welcome to a Critical Faith podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Here now is special guest Katie Barrett-Todd. Around December of 1996, then second year college student Allie Smith of Greensboro came home for Christmas and told her parents that she had seen some Christmas light balls and they needed to recreate them for their front yard. That was the year the Sunset Hills Christmas ball tradition began. NBC's Today Show has shared the story a few times over the years, each time highlighting footage of colored lights piercing the darkness of leafless trees on a winter night. What started as one family wrapping balls of chicken wire in colorful Christmas lights and throwing them in the tallest trees has spread to an annual must-see event where hundreds of families light the sky with tens of thousands of lights. It's almost magical to see, and driving through the Sunset Hills balls each December has become a tradition in my family. We move from preparing for the birth of Christ to witnessing Christ at work in the world this week, and we are invited to be a part of that work in new ways. Each scripture for us this week helps us to recognize who we are through Christ, empowers us to respond to God's love, and re-engage the world as God's capable and beloved church. Isaiah begins with a focus on the redemptions bestowed upon us by God. By speaking of the garments and jewels adorning a bride and a groom, these are not gifts that are innate, but are given by the grace of God. I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God, because he has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped me in a robe of righteousness like a bridegroom in a priestly crown, and like a bride adorned in jewelry, As the earth puts out its growth, and as a garden grows its seeds, so the Lord God will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I won't keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I won't sit still until her righteousness shines out like a light, and her salvation blazes like a torch. Nations will see your righteousness, all kings your glory. You will be called a new name, which the Lord's own mouth will determine. The imagery of a shoot in a garden helps us to understand that our redemption is not a one-and-done act of God, but a carefully nurtured and cultivated process. This is perhaps a theological pivot for the people of Israel to realize that their salvation from their current plight is not immediate and that the work of proclaiming and praising the name of God is not finished in an instant. The writer describes a new name that is not mentioned, but seems directly related to the circumstance of the people rather than an actual name being given. As such, it is not a far leap to conclude that we all can be renamed in our circumstance, that Christ is the breaker of preconceived notions, stereotypes, biases, and prejudices once used to identify a person or a group of people. Now, in our Luke text, the story of Jesus' circumcision and naming in the temple include the prophetic voices of Simeon and Anna, 
Their declarations further affirm Mary and Joseph's understanding of who the child is and will be, not just for the redemption of Jerusalem, but for the salvation of all. When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, you let your servant go in peace according to your word because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. We have concluded a month of Advent, a month of Advent preparation for the arrival of Christ, with this recent celebration of his birth in what seems like quick fashion. So quick, in fact, that we can lose sight of the meaning of the Messiah. These scripture texts reaffirm for us the power of Christ's redemptive work that began at creation and was made manifest in his birth. Reverend Lindsay Wade reminds us that, quote, All we need to know is that somehow the word becomes flesh and becomes a part of our world in a new and tangible way through Jesus of Nazareth. The writer goes on to connect the event of God breaking into our world with our relationship with God. Because the Word has become human, we can recognize and respond to God in entirely new ways. Now, I love Dr. Will Gaffney's take on the intersection of the creation story and the Christmas story from John. She spends time reminding us that John and Jesus were cousins, so John knew a very different version of Jesus than we do or than the public did. Dr. Gaffney says this, quote, John looked back at the world's birth story and saw a different trinity. The word light and life had been present at the dawn of creation and were present in the man he knew as Jesus, the man he'd grown up with, played with, and perhaps fought with, his cousin. She continues saying, John is telling us who Jesus is, and for him the manger story doesn't cut it. It's not big enough. It's not grand enough. Jesus is nothing less than the Word of God in human flesh, 
the word that spoke creation into being, the promise and promises of God, the teachings, judgments, warnings, and revelation of God, all in a mortal human body. Jesus is the eternal light from the dawn of creation that shines in the darkness and no matter how long or how deep the shadows can never be extinguished. And Jesus is life itself and life that transcends death. John's Jesus is the place where earth and heaven meet. End quote. While driving through the sunset hills is magical and moving, What's more moving is the mission that has arisen out of a simple Christmas light. Quote, one out of six people in the Piedmont triad is food insecure, end quote, says one interviewee. And that was in 2015. An annual event of light has turned into a food collection to benefit Second Harvest Food Bank. And just about a decade ago, the running of the balls was created to further support the food banks and fight food insecurity in the area. The running of the balls is a nighttime 5K road race and walk through the Sunset Hills area where bands and choral groups line the course and participants earn a cup of hot cocoa at the end. Jonathan Smith, the brother of Allie, says in an interview that, quote, our hope is that wherever they are, folks are making it about more than just pretty lights, shining a light on hunger, loneliness, community, end quote. These words are particularly potent in a year filled with loneliness, lack of community, and starvation for food and company. Simeon and Anna declared Christ's birth a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for God's people Israel. Isaiah's writer proclaims, I won't keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I won't sit still until her righteousness shines out like a light. And then John reminds us that the incarnation, the presence of Emmanuel, God with us, is wrapped in light in the middle of darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. In speaking of Advent, Reverend Dr. Caroline Lewis once preached, quote, Maybe preparation means simply adjusting our eyes to see light when there seems to be none. So if preparation means adjusting our eyes to see light when it seems absent, I believe that Christmas means re-engaging the light and responding to the light. The year 2020 was supposed to be a year of hope and promise, and yet it's been a year of grief and loss. Everything has changed. We don't see the bottom half of our friends' faces anymore due to mask wearing. We keep a distance when we want so badly to hug or high-five. And we gather around our coffee table to celebrate the Lord's Supper and computer screens for singing Christmas hymns in worship. And yet, at the end of this year, this year where first-year college students never stepped foot onto campuses and we celebrate the lives of saints lost over Zoom and Facebook Live, there is still fleeting hope. We have a vaccine to this dreaded virus. We are worshiping together with congregations across the country that we would never have dreamed of connecting to, all because some college students in North Carolina decided 
to put together a worship service. And we are still celebrating the birth of our Savior, who dared to step into a world of dark and loss and grief to bring light and love and restoration and truth. We use night lights and flashlights and colored lights on chicken wire balls to keep us from experiencing darkness. We are afraid of the dark. But as Dr. Gaffney points out, quote, God is not. Darkness is a creative space to God. Out of darkness, God created everything that is, including light. And present in that creation from the very beginning was the light that came into the world in and through Jesus Christ. Where we see dark, God sees varying degrees of light, shadow, if you will. Gaffney continues saying, quote, We are called to a mature faith in a complex world. There is light and dark, shadow, and more than 50 shades of gray. The darkness and light coexist. There is always shadow. We can't see in the dark. We trip over the smallest thing. But it is not the dark that hurts us. It is our own limitations. Because of our blindness, Christ lights our way. Christ is the light that allows us to see the light in all people and all situations. The world is filled with shadow. We have seen those shadows recently." End quote. This Christmas, may we live with the excitement of Simeon and Anna, not giving up until we recognize the light of the world. This Christmas, may we live with the determination of Isaiah, re-engaging the light by not being silent until the light brings restoration. And this Christmas, may we live like John, responding to the world's cries for light by pointing to the true light. In the middle of this flurry of Christmas, we each are called to introspection as we work to make visible the kingdom of God in response to the God who claims us as God's own. Isaiah and Simeon and Anna and John remind us that God's gift of Christ is love. And this love is good news. And this love is for everyone. How can recognizing this love allow us to re-engage the world as individuals and respond as communities of faith? What began as a love of unique Christmas lights by a college student two and a half decades ago has grown into the largest food insecurity fighting event in the Piedmont Triad area. Neighbors recognized a need and responded, resulting in more than 3 million meals being provided through the local food bank. And similar events have spread to communities across the country, like Port Huron, Michigan, and Morgantown, West Virginia. Talk about light in the darkness. What is God calling you to recognize about the light? How is God calling you to re-engage the light? And how are you responding? Thank you for joining us today for this podcast. To find out more about First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, where faith is nurtured, curiosity is encouraged, diversity welcomed, and all are loved, check out our Facebook page at First Presbyterian Church, Lincoln, Nebraska. And Happy New Year.